Welcome, everybody, to episode number 40 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter Blog. This is going to be kind of a long episode. Um, you know, usually when I start episodes, I kind of have a, a quote or a theme or, or, or something that goes along with the conversation that we're getting ready to have. And, and this is a great episode with... Kelly Walsh and Dan Jones about leadership and, and really about the the nuances of being a leader in today's fire service, but uh, it comes on the heels of just some horrible, horrible times in our country, and I like to keep this fire service related, and it actually comes on the heels of some horrible, horrible things in our fire service. Um, you know, I've always tried to be transparent and and you know truthful on this podcast and I think that's one of the things that that makes it so popular that makes it so that 2000 3000 of you listen every time I put out an episode which is truly humbling and uh, I don't know if you follow me on social media hopefully you do hopefully you follow all the social media on on Twitter at the average Jake firefighter or uh, or average Jake FF rather or the the Instagram page average Jake firefighter podcast or if you read the blog or but I've been putting out some things, and, and there's just been some things, and, and here's, here's how I feel about it. And, and here's my response, I guess, because in the age you know, of, of what we're doing today, silence is just as bad as, as, as being racist, I guess, or, or, or speaking on the opposite side. Or you know, silence is almost, just as, is almost worse, I guess, in, in some people's eyes. And, and I apologize if I fumble over this. It's just uh, these are difficult times and these are difficult things that we're navigating. And that's why I'm really glad to, to do an episode on leadership uh, throughout this because one of the things, one of my mentors, uh, his saying anytime there's something difficult, when someone asks him how we're going to get through it, he always responds, we lead through it. And that can look like a lot of different things. But uh, if you followed me on social media, you, you've seen some of the, my thoughts on this, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw out there, I don't care what side of the issue that you're on. I don't care if you are a part of Black Lives Matter. I don't care if you've protested. I don't care if you haven't protested. I don't care if you want monuments to stay up. I don't care if you want them to come down. I don't care uh, any of those things, right? I'm speaking to firefighters here. Like I'm speaking on a firefighter podcast. This is the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. And so I don't care about what side of the issue you're on. What I care about is that you do what I talked about in the anniversary episode of this podcast. I care that you're living up to your oath. And if you go back and you read the oath that you swore when you became a firefighter, I guarantee it has nothing to do nothing to do with the race or creed or anything religion gender has nothing to do with any of that. It says you will protect all people, all lives. And this may be an unpopular stance, but I can tell you, if you're a firefighter, and this isn't to, to you know, I, I realize that what I'm getting ready to say sometimes can, can put people off. But what I'm telling you is the truth is that if you're a firefighter, all lives do matter because that is what we do. 
That's not a knock on Black Lives Matter. That's not a knock on any organization or group. That is reality of what we do as firefighters and in the fire service. All lives matter to us. We do our damn best to go out there and help every person we can, inside and outside the firehouse. Inside and outside the firehouse. We've been going through this coronavirus stuff, and I've seen some truly great people just do amazing, amazing things and couldn't be prouder to be part of the fire service in some of these times. But I'm here to tell you today that where I stand is that I stand as a firefighter. You can have your own personal beliefs. You can believe whatever it is you want to believe. That's your right, and I believe in that. I believe that you're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe, but when you walk through those doors and when you swore the oath, you agreed to put some of those things aside. You agreed to not ruin the public trust by doing something stupid on social media. You agreed not to ruin the public trust by being prejudiced against a certain group or class. It's just not what we do, folks. And I'm not perfect. I've said bad jokes in the past, okay? I've said things that I wish I could take back. And, you know, to be quite honest, I've said some things I mean that I don't want to take back. No one's perfect. Everyone's human. But what I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt is that if you're a firefighter, you better damn believe that all lives matter to us and all lives better matter to you. So please, feel free, exercise your First Amendment right. If you feel that you want to go protest, more power to you. That's not the way that I choose to get my messages across. But if that's what you're into and that's what you want to go do, please feel free. Please feel free. I would prefer if you don't damage property. Because I don't believe that anybody has the right to do that. That's not part of your First Amendment right to damage other people's property and to loot and to steal. But I beg of you, each and every one of you, no matter what your personal beliefs are, don't ruin the fire service. Don't ruin the public trust that we have. Don't ruin the brotherhood and the familyhood that we have inside the firehouse because of a news story. Have the intelligence, have the compassion, and this is on both sides. Have the compassion on both sides of the argument to realize that we're probably all not 100% right. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from, we were all raised different. Certain things affect us differently. We all come from different backgrounds. So have the intelligence, have the compassion for the firefighter sitting across from you to just let it stay on the news. Talk about something else. In fact, fill your time talking about the fire service instead of talking about some of these political issues that are only going to end in argument, that are only going to drive a wedge between us and the fire service. And when you come in that firehouse and when those bells go off, I don't care if it's a 14-eyed green alien. If they're hurt, we try to help them. That's what we all signed up for. That's what we all should be doing. In the fire service, we don't pick sides. We signed up to help people, all lives, all people, and that's what we better be doing. 
So learn from our mistakes. No, none of us are perfect. Give grace to the people that you're working with in the firehouse because they may be emotional on both sides of the argument. Because I can tell you, and I'll, I'll get personal for just a second. Here where I live, we have two schools named after Confederate generals. And while I have no doubt that those schools were named to intimidate African-Americans from wanting to come there when they were built, it still saddens me that they want to change the names of the schools because those are the places I went. I have memories there. I've won championships at those schools. I met my wife at those schools, longtime friends. So while those names meant something back then, to me, they don't mean that to me. To me, they mean a place full of memories and full of joy and full of happiness. And so that's a very emotional issue for me. But I also understand the other side of it. And while I may not agree, I understand the other side of it. And so we need to be able to give each other grace. Everyone's feeling emotional about this. There's people who don't know what to feel. There's people who have gone back and forth. Don't let it ruin your relationships in the firehouse. Don't let it ruin the brotherhood. Don't let it ruin the familyhood. And let's show everyone out there that the fire service is bigger than this. The fire service is above this. The fire service is here for everyone. This career is for everyone. If you want it bad enough, you can come get it if you work for it. You can come get it if you work for it. The fire service is for everyone, and we help everyone. All lives matter to us, no matter what side of the argument you're on. We're going to try to help you. That's our job. That's what we signed up for, and that's what we live for. So I don't mean to get very preachy on you, but I know this is a difficult time and, and trying, everyone's trying to make sense on this. And that's why I'm really glad to have this conversation with Dan Jones and Kelly Walsh about leadership. Because like I said at the very beginning, we lead through things like this. And so as firefighters in the fire service, we need to take the leadership role. We need to step up and get out front and say that no matter what, we're here, we're going to be here, and we're going to help anybody that we can through this, no matter how we need to help them. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to this 40th episode. Please take care of each other. Please take care of the people that you serve. Take care of your brothers and sisters in the firehouse. And just be kind to each other. These are difficult times. We don't always say the things that, you know, the right thing. I certainly don't say the things that are the right thing all the time. I'm guilty as anybody of making an off-color joke. But let's have some grace for another. Let's go out there. Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of the citizens. Let's do our job, and let's show everybody that the fire service is the one industry that this stuff is not going to be infiltrated by. Let's show that we're bigger than that. So again, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning into this 40th episode Thanks for anyone that's listened from episode one all the way to now. And let's get into this great conversation with Kelly Walsh and Dan Jones about leadership. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Really excited for this 40th episode. 
to bring on two leadership experts in the fire service uh, with Dan Jones and Kelly Walsh. They have been teaching all over the country and specifically here in Virginia. I think they've, they've had facilitated training for about 30 or 40 fire departments. They were, uh, they've taught at the Virginia chief officer Academy, which I'm a graduate of, of in the class of 2019. So just, just immense, immense, expertise in the fire service and from both sides of the fence from being firefighters fire officers chief officer and and hr providers so just extremely excited uh to have these guys on the podcast and provide their expertise to the listeners so uh, dan and kelly thank you guys for joining us thank you robbie really yeah appreciate to be here with you. it um, and look forward to talking with uh, all your listeners uh again thank you so much for for being willing to do this and, and reaching out and i, I really think it's going to be a a powerful episode because the topic of leadership is just so vast. I mean, I know on my bookshelf, I'm sure like you guys as well. And, and most of the listeners out there, there's just thousands and, and hundreds of, of leadership books. And each one of them is a little bit different and you can get a little bit from each of them to try to develop your own leadership style. So, but before we get into the leadership conversation, let's uh, hear a little bit about your guys' fire service background and your, and your background of how we got started in all this leadership stuff. Let's start with you, Chief Dan. Well, Robbie, I'm, uh, I'm retired uh, from the fire service, uh, from uniformed fire service anyway. I consider myself still to be part of it. Um, I uh, started as a jump seat firefighter um, in 1974 and worked my way up uh, in Florida. Uh, I was in a department in Pinellas County, Florida. I was a firefighter, uh, company officer, training officer, EMS chief, uh, deputy chief operations. And then I moved to North Carolina and took over as fire chief in, uh, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where the University of North Carolina is. And uh, I was fire chief there for 25 years. Uh, I've uh, been involved in training since the early 80s and uh, when i retired uh, i wanted to to give back to the fire service and the best way i could do that would be to share my experiences and lessons i learned over 41 years uh and uh, chief dennis compton arranged introduction to kelly uh, she had worked for him in the mesa fire department and uh, kelly and i uh, got together and started working on uh various leadership and management uh, experiences we'd had and, and concepts. And we both feel very strongly uh, that the fire service is desperately in need of, of advanced leadership training. Uh, we do great on the fire ground, uh, maybe not so great in the fire station or at headquarters. So um, that's the area we try to focus on. Kelly, go ahead with your background as well. Yeah, thanks, uh, Robbie. Um, I, sorry, um, I, I uh, started in human resources probably, I don't know, 25 or more years ago, and um, uh, ended up in Mesa, Arizona, in city government. And I thought, oh, I'll be here like a year. It's going to be a sleepy government job. And I started working with FIRE. And I was there for 10 years, and I was there in, embedded in their organization and just fell in love with it, um, you know, did all the promotional exam preparations, did all the hiring, um, hired everything from firefighters to fire chiefs, and um, just really uh, felt connected to the mission. And um, so I moved back east. I 
did some t- uh, work in private sector. And then um, I started going out on my own and I was teaching leadership and I called Chief Compton and I said, does the fire service need what I'm doing? And he said, yes. And he said, they need it from somebody who's not just in fire, you know, like who sees different angles. So that's when Dan and I connected and developed a lot, a lot of our curriculum. And um, it's something, I mean, I was involved in creating the, the testing format, but we weren't teaching people the skills for it. So I even have a little uh, feeling of responsibility for that because we just weren't doing, we, we were getting people who are ready to go into a new level, but we weren't really helping them once they got there. So that's one of the reasons Dan and I just feel really strongly about it. And we agree about 70% of the time because I am the HR lady and he is the fire chief. <laughs> so sometimes it leads to interesting conversations. <laughs> that's, well, you know, and, and I think that's important, right? Because that is often, I think, where we see some disconnect. And, and I know having been involved in, unfortunately, with difficult employees that, you know, you can, it, it is difficult from an HR perspective because HR is there to help the employee, but also the organization, right? I mean, so, so you have to, right. you have to have that balance, like anything in this world, the pendulum can't swing one way or, or another. And so like, I, I mean, I distinctly remember like this horrible employee uh, that in, in very difficult, I mean, we have a stack of paper documenting all of his shortcomings, like performance and all of this stuff. And you, you send it to your HR person. They're like, yeah, it's not enough. Like, oh my God, what do you mean? You know, so it's very difficult, but I think it's important from a leadership perspective to have both someone like yourself, Dan, who's a chief officer and someone like you, Kelly, who's from human resources that has a fire service background because that they're both important. We have to operate in concert because if we don't know what each other needs and wants, we can't do it. So I think it's, it's, it's very important. That's absolutely true, hey, Robbie. Robbie. And, and I wish I'd had an HR lady like Kelly because she, she does understand the fire service. She, she has immersed herself in the, the fire service culture and understanding the, the mission. And um, she, she knows the law and she'll hold us to the law, uh, personnel law, but uh, she also has empathy for the mission and understanding the psychology of what it takes to be a firefighter. My mission has always kind of been to help the help my fire department do what they want to do and stay within the rules and and meet their mission, not impose my mission of whatever legalities are on them necessarily. So finding ways to to work things out and, and make good solutions for Man, everybody. Again, that's just great. Like it's 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 I think it's so important to have that because a lot of times you have that adversarial relationship with with HR and and it's it's glad to to hear that there's you know there's there's places and there's people that are willing to work together you know what i mean and it's it just Robbie, people always ask me if I'm good HR or bad HR. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess, it's, I guess it depends on, you know, what right. situation you're in, but right. I like no, that. That's great. So as we start to get into this, this leadership discussion, and, and again, we talked about this before we kind of went live on the, on the podcast, is that a lot of my listeners are aspiring company officers or already currently company officers. And, and there's a few chief officers sprinkled in there. But a lot of guys uh, and gals are, are in the firehouses and they're, they're ready to step up or they've already stepped up to that right front seat leadership. And as you said, Chief Dan, it's, we probably do really good on the fire ground, right? And our testing even, even pushes us that. And I'll be honest, that's what I signed up for, right? Like I read your blog about what you signed up for and, and that's what I signed up for. I signed up to, to go to fires and to be the guy riding in the right front seat and, uh, you know, or even ride up on the battalion car. Um, but there's so much more to it and we, and we tend to, 
we tend to to fail when we're at the at the firehouse. And so I want to kind of delve into that a, a little bit. And with a personal struggle that I have, and this is something that I talk to my wife a lot about. Um, and we always talk about, and all, every leader, every leadership class you go to talk starts with you should lead by example, right? And my and my wife is a, is very uh, is it works for our state office of EMS, and she's very high in that and that all. And she's a leader. I mean, she she's a an, a, a a division manager, and so she leads a, a significant amount of people. And a lot oftentimes when her boss is gone, she becomes in charge of the whole state of Virginia EMS. So that that is like a big burden on her. And so leadership is always at the forefront of her mind. Uh, I'm a fire captain in my organization, and we have this debate, me and my wife, and even me and some of my peers, about leading by example. I'm sometimes on the fence if leading by example, you know, because, and, and I'll throw these examples out there of, you know, I show up to work at six, of, at six o'clock an hour early. I always PT, you know, check the rig, and people see me doing these things, but they don't do them. And so if I'm setting a good example, why are people not following? So what are your guys' thoughts? And maybe we can, and we can start with Kelly and, and then Dan, you can answer afterwards. What are your thoughts on, on leading by example? Is it truly effective? Are we missing the boat with leading by example? Is there something that is, is just leading by example enough or is there more to it than that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that, um, you know, Dan and I often promote the idea that you need a lot of leadership styles to really lead well and to lead everyone. So I think leading by example is a style and it's a great style, but I don't think you can rely on only that. So um, for example, um, like you're exactly what you're saying. I'll use your example. So you're working out or whatever. So it, if that's not impacting people or if it's not engaging people, we may need to shift into some other styles. Um, in our classes, we talk about situational leadership from uh, Ken Blanchard and um, you know, some people maybe need more of a coaching style, and if they're not coming along, we don't always know why they're not coming along. Maybe they um, don't, maybe we're, our, our rank is intimidating them, and they don't, you know, want to come over and work out with us or don't know if they can. So um, kind of talking to people, building those relationships, getting those connections, and understanding what makes each person tick is really a great way to go, and then kind of adjust your leadership style for those people. And so if someone is just intimidated or something, you know, you can fix that. If someone just doesn't want to do it or has a, does it at home on off days or whatever those things are, you'll know and you won't just feel like, you know, you won't have to wonder. Um, one of the things that I think I would link to lead by example is be the message. And I think what I've had happen, I do a lot of cultural surveys in fire departments and work with leadership teams. And, you know, what I've gotten feedback on sometimes is, you know, people aren't, you know, they're saying one thing and doing another. So, for example, there's there's a battalion chief who is a stickler for the rules and writing people up left and right. Well, then he's out doing PT and fluorescent shorts out of uniform against policy, you know, running down the street with his uh, city shirt on. And it's like, you know, is that a horrible thing? Well, you know, it's it's he's the message he's sending is the rules apply to me and not to you. So sometimes we have to do a little self-reflection, look a little deeper, and figure out like what our actions are that are um, that we're sending as well, and make sure that they're in sync with what we want to do. So, uh, am I, you know, who do I hang around with? Am I hanging around with? Um, do I appear to be favoring my friends? Do I? Um, where do I sit in meetings? You know, how do I treat people? Um, and 
there's a whole host of things that you can check into and do a little self-reflection on. So those are the kind of things I think would to expand your style a little bit, have more options to choose from, and then you're going to be more likely to lead everyone. Robbie, I'm going to take a different tact on this. Absolutely. Uh, I think leading by example has to be the basis. Uh, I agree with Kelly on different styles are needed at different times and with different people, but you always, always, always have to lead by example. Uh, you have to, to work harder than the rest. You have to demonstrate greater level of commitment than the rest. You have to model the behaviors that you want everybody else to follow. But then you've got to match that up with things like accountability and direction and expectations and holding people to expectations. Um, but you can't do all of that if you're not the example to begin with. Uh, I think a lot of firefighters watched the recent series on Michael Jordan. Um, was it called the last, the last, last dance? Yeah. Last dance, last Michael dance. Jordan. A lot of people watched that. Uh, there was some key leadership lessons in that series um, that showed how Michael was the was the leader. He was always in the gym before his teammates. He was the last one in the gym. He worked harder than anybody else. But at the same time, he held high expectations for his teammates, and he pushed them, and he pulled them with him. And uh, it was an excellent example of leadership. Um uh, because if you don't demonstrate the behaviors and you don't practice what you're preaching, your credibility is shot. And without credibility, you're not leading. Uh, yeah. You might have the badge, you might have the bugles, you might have the authority, but you're not the leader. Uh, the fire service is full of informal leaders, and there's a reason for that. Uh, the reason that it's full of informal leaders is because the formal leaders sometimes are not the leader. Uh, and and people want leadership. They search for leadership. And so they'll follow those that, that demonstrate true leadership. And uh, that begins with uh, leading by example. Uh, it's not the only thing you have to do, but it's the, the foundation of what you have to do. Uh, yeah, and I, I – it's uh... – I definitely think, and I agree with both of you, actually. I definitely think in my leadership experience, and I think some of the listeners out there, uh, you know, my, my good friend Ben Martin talks about this and, you know, emotional leadership. And, and he really talks about, like, the dirty side of leadership. And I really think that that leadership isn't isn't all clean and, and nice and neat, kind of like, uh, and, and I think you guys would agree with that as well. And I think it takes definite different styles to reach everybody. And, and sometimes that's just, that's a very daunting task, like Kelly, which you mentioned that, not being prepared for something like that. Like we, we do a really good job of preparing people to be fireground leaders and fireground commanders. And I mean, cause that's the sexy stuff, right? That's what everybody wants to do. But uh, we do probably a poor job on preparing people to lead inside the firehouse. What sort of, you know, I know you guys do classes on this and what sort of suggestions would you have to prepare someone to be ready to lead in the firehouse and not just, uh, and I know that's kind of an open-ended question uh, and a vast question. You could probably talk an hour on that one topic, but uh, just some quick, maybe, oh, some, yeah. <laughs> maybe just some quick <laughs> suggestions or some things you talk about in your classes to get people ready 
for for that leadership role in the firehouse because again that's probably where we're failing more often than not and kelly you can go with that first if you if you don't mind okay no no i don't mind at all you know it, it's leadership is is a set of behaviors and they're learnable and a lot of times we think like oh somebody has a lot of experience or they're really you know nice good person everybody likes them or whatever um a leader being a leader means adopting and practicing and continuing to expand on a lot of leadership behaviors some of those core ones are communication 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 um, and that's interpersonal communication and organizational communication so and and i always say we uh, you know as working in hr every lawsuit every conflict every you know every problem that has ever come come to my desk in the form of a you know something big came, uh, started out as a communication moment gone wrong and it's really challenging in the fire service as we all know because a lot of times we're leading people who we were in rookie school with or sometimes senior to us and it's you know really challenging to um, cross those person personal and business lines at the same time um, but it's, it's an act of bravery. We call our, our program the Brave Fire Leader for that reason. It's to be able to step up and do, do those things and be brave and make tough decisions and even just put somebody in check. If someone says something, you know, inflammatory while you're sitting around watching TV or having dinner to just say, oh, check yourself, you know, and just find a way to do it without, you know, blowing up or um, calling them out. Um, but not allowing things that are illegal and, you know, discriminatory to be going on. Um, those are big, big challenges. Um, I've often said that they don't need, you know, like if, if leadership wasn't, you know, dirty, as you say, like wasn't complicated, I'm not sure we'd need leaders. If it was just like reading policies and saying, here, do that, or here's what you did wrong, it's in subsection three, um, you know, that's, that's, e that's the easy stuff. It's the gray stuff. It's the stuff that happens in the moment, the stuff that requires bravery, I think, that is the biggest challenge to leadership and the biggest thing to get practice in so you're more comfortable with uh, it. Kelly, I think you just Robbie. hit uh, – I'm sorry, Chief. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I really just no. think you hit the, the a, you know, the a number one gold button with that is the communication piece. And, and, and as you were saying that, I kind of had like this flash in my head of all the – leadership challenges and things and times that I even got mad at my leadership and you're right they all they all just manifested themselves in communication I know that we we are the, the fire department that I'm in now is 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 re relatively large we we're the second largest in Virginia uh second only to Fairfax in number of personnel and we have around 600 and some people and communication is so difficult. In fact, a lot of what people are getting mad about these days is that they're not getting communicated with enough. You know, they feel like the, they feel like right. the organization is keeping secrets from them. And 90% of what I do is going around and killing rumors. You know, it, it really is. It's <laughs> killing rumors or, or sharing information, you know, or like, hey, no, 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 that's not right. I mean, we have, uh, you know, every, and it's so funny, every time the transfer list, it gets ready to come out. Like people know that like we have a recruit school in, so they know people are getting ready to get transferred to make room for new recruits. Yep. I'm on the, the a shift command team and my phone starts going off. Like, have you heard they're making transfers? Have you heard this? Where am I going? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, have you heard about this? You know, is this person moving to here? And you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and it's difficult because there's certain things I can't share because they're, they're private, but right. man, but that starts making people angry. Like, Oh, you're not, you know, you're not being a leader because you're not sharing information with us. You're trying to be secretive. 
And so, like, like when you said that, it just made a lightning bolt go off on my head. I certainly didn't mean to cut you off, Chief Dan, but that just, like, really struck with me. So, please continue. I'm sorry. No, no problem, Robbie. Um, I'm, I'm glad that that resonated with you because that is a key, key thing. Kelly and I start off every one of our leadership programs or classes with a discussion of what a lousy job the fire service does of preparing people to lead off the fire ground. Um, we do a great job of preparing people to be fire ground officers, to be tactical leaders, to uh, handle emergency scenes. Um, we do good. All the technical skills we're great at. What we're not so good at is the soft skills that occur in the fire station, in headquarters, in public meetings, uh, in department meetings. All those areas are so crucial. And again, they all tie back to communications frequently. But here's here's the interesting thing from from my perspective is we do we promote and we tend to promote whoever's really good at the level they're at, but that's no guarantee that they're going to be good at the next level. We've all experienced a great firefighter makes a lousy company officer or a great company officer makes a lousy battalion chief or the great battalion chief that gets into a 40 hour assistant chief or deputy chief position and just stinks. Uh, and the reason for that is we didn't prepare them for that next step. We didn't, we didn't set them up for success. Um, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, nobody ever tells a company officer about the real potential of personnel issues they might have to handle. We talked to him about making sure your crew is on time for shift change and silly stuff like that. That's routine everyday stuff. We don't tell the company officer how difficult it is to handle a sexual harassment claim. Or when an employee comes to you with uh, with uh, some sort of a racist uh, claim against another employee, we don't tell them how to deal with that. Um, we promote people to chief officer, and our budgets are prepared by chief officers who the first time they they ever prepare a budget is when it gets dropped on their desk and said, oh, you're putting the budget together for this year. And by the way, the guy who did it last time is gone. And uh, here's last year's budget. Look through it and prepare next year's budget. Oh, that was that budgets, was me. That was me. Like, yeah, not... <laughs> and our budgets are our life. That's our life source. Yeah. Our budgets from year to year, that's our life source. That's our resources. Yeah. I... That's our, the, our programs. And we hand that to somebody who has no training in it and say, put this together for next year. Every time I got promoted in the fire service, I thought I was ready for the next level and then I got there and I wasn't. And as Kelly and I have traveled around and talked to fire officers and chief officers all across the country, it's pretty much unanimous. They all say the same thing. I thought I knew what I was going to be doing. And then I got in the position and, and I was surprised by all kinds of things. Um, so we do this on the job training with our supervisors and our leaders. And it's, it's a really poor way to run an organization and, and our fire departments suffer because of it. Yeah. Dan will no, go, often, go ahead. Dan will, often, <clears throat> Dan will often ask questions like during that presentation about who in this room has had, you know, supervisory legal liability training and like, or personnel training in your state. 
we'll get one or two hands. Um, who has had training on marketing? Who has had training on budgeting? Who all those kinds of things? And we'll get one and two pe two people, and like these are huge, huge important things that you need to know moving up, or even understand as a company officer, so you can help the troops understand everything that's going on and why decisions are being made. Um, so then, when the sexual harassment claim comes, and I've been the HR person who it comes, and I it turns out everybody kind of knew about it, you know, but like nobody knew what to do about it. So. Um, understanding what what the first few steps are you know it's impossible to for somebody in their first week to know every single thing they'll need to know as a leader but to understand what the first few steps and what the resources are um so that's so those are some of the things we try to arm people yeah with robbie let me give you one example for company officers that that i'm sure you can relate to who do most of the citizens in your community ever meet from the fire department do they meet the fire chief? Do they meet a deputy chief? No. The majority of citizens that interact with the fire department interact with a company officer. Absolutely. Who, who is there to, to help them deal with a, a, a family emergency, a medical emergency, uh, a problem in the home, uh, some some small problem that the homeowner has, then the company officer is there to help them deal with it, advise them on next steps, help them understand what they have to do to file an insurance claim, that sort of thing. Where in our training do we give company officers public relations training? We don't. We don't give them public relations training. And a lot of company officers will say, well, that's not public relations isn't really my job. That's for the chief officers. Chief officers don't talk to the public that much. Company officers talk to the public every single day. And that, that short interaction, 15, 20 minutes with a lieutenant or a captain, is going to create that person's opinion of that entire fire department. And that person, because it's a significant event in their life, is going to share that with their neighbors with their family members, with their coworkers, with their fellow soccer moms. They're going to share that story over and over. So a 15-minute interaction that a lieutenant has with a member of the public creates the impression of the entire fire department in that community, and that gets shared with maybe several hundred people who, who may never have an interaction with the fire department, but their opinion of the fire department is formed by this one 15 or 20 minute meeting that one person had with a lieutenant. Now, the next time you've got a bond issue up for a new training facility, or you need public support for pay raises for your firefighters, there's a couple of hundred voters who have formed an opinion about the fire department based on that interaction. When did we give that lieutenant the training and how to handle that and leave that citizen feeling good about your organization? We didn't do that. We trained that lieutenant how to how to solve the problem of an overheated electrical box and how to check for extension and how to tell the citizen to get an insurance claim filed or where they can get a copy of the fire report. But we didn't teach them how to interact with that citizen in a way that leaves that citizen to feel like they were well served. They were given lots of information and they knew that they could depend upon the fire department. Yeah, I, you know, and, and as you guys talk, like you talked about the budget stuff and, and, and everything, I mean, like, I feel like you guys are, are talking directly 
to, to me and probably every other company officer out there, right? Because uh, I was that guy uh, in our fire department, the station captains do the budget for the individual station or specialty shops that they run. And I was a rescue company lieutenant that got promoted to captain and went to a firehouse that the captain had retired and they had not had a captain for a whole calendar year. And so I came into that firehouse and it's, you, you're now the leader of the small engine shop. You have to do the budget for that. You have to do the budget for the firehouse. And, oh, by the way, we've never taught you how to do a budget. That's and, right. And I was ready to quit. I, I called the – I'm not even lying. I called the, the deputy chief of operations. I was like, I don't think I like being a captain. Uh, I was like, I think I'd like to go back to being a lieutenant. You know, and thankfully I didn't do that. You know, like I didn't pull that trigger. But at first it was like, why did I do this? Because it really is. And I, and I think that's – and I think you're you're dead on with we don't prepare people for the next for, for the level higher than them. I mean, to be quite honest with you, had I known all the things that I was going to have to do as a captain, I don't know if I'd have become one because it I, I want to be. And again, I believe in everything that you're saying as far as citizen interaction from the company officer level. And I, I think that is that is spot on, dead, dead on. But I think a lot of fire officers don't really want to do those some of those things they don't want to do budgets and and they don't want to do you know some of those other those other things and maybe they should stay at the level of of leadership or, or rank that you know, maybe will make them i don't I, for lack of a better word happier how do we but how do we but go you right know ahead. what Robbie? Yeah, go ahead you know what uh firefighters like a challenge no doubt. And everybody who's ever been promoted has probably at one time or another had those same feelings that you had. But then we buckle down and we say, no, we don't give up. We're going to take care of this. We're going to figure this out. And we, and it gets messy and it gets frustrating, but we do figure it out. But it takes a while. And mm-hmm. that, that, that period of takes a while hurts our organization. Because while you fumble around and, and rise to the level and meet that challenge, other things are being, uh, for lack of a better term, allowed to pass. And when that happens, every time we promote somebody, we lose ground because we didn't prepare them. And so now we have to wait on them to catch up. Every position I ever got promoted into, it took me a year to two years to figure that job out. And, and that shouldn't be the case. I was a deputy fire chief for five years. It was in that period. When I finally accepted the position of chief in Chapel Hill, I thought, I got this. I can figure this out. No, no problem. Shoot. I, I had no <laughs> clue. And I got there and I was so confident. I told the city manager at the time, I, three months into my appointment as fire chief, I gave her a, a report on the status of the department and recommendations to move forward in a strategic plan. And I said, we can do all of this in two years with two and a half million dollars. I was so wrong. Four years later, and probably twice that much money, we were still working on that list I gave her. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's that time lapse that we have every time we promote somebody that we have to allow them to learn the job when we could cut that in half or by a quarter just by giving them good training for what they're going to 
be expected to do. Do you think that we that those fire lead, those fire officers and 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 do you think that that's often why we we fail at the leadership side of it is because we're unprepared or do you think that maybe we're we're looking for the wrong skills when we promote what do you think is the big and and both of you guys please please share this because you've been on the hiring side the promotional side you know do, are, are we not preparing them are we not seeking the right skill set what do you think is the big the big reason that we promote but yet we still continue to fail leadership wise i'll i'll start off and kelly can jump in on this because she has a lot of experience with promotion processes as well and i i have too um i think it's a combination robbie i think we we don't prepare people and we don't always look for the right skills um it's a combination of those two things i've sit on I've sit on promotion processes for fire chief positions, and sometimes I'm embarrassed to report back to uh, uh, an HR director or an assistant city manager or county administrator. I'm, I'm embarrassed to report back to them the lack of skills that they're going to need at that position that the candidate field has. And, and I feel badly about that because I'm proud of the fire service. I want us to shine. And I'm looking at candidates who aren't ready for the next level. And I hate to go to a, to an administrator and say your candidate field doesn't measure up. Uh, and I'm talking about for some pretty big jobs, Metro type right. jobs. Um, and, and then we do silly things like we're running an evaluation process or an assessment center for a fire chief position of a medium to large department. And we're giving them a fire problem. If the fire chief of a, of a 500 person fire department has to pass a fire problem, we're looking at the wrong things. You know, we, we don't need our fire chiefs to be tactical commanders. We have battalion chiefs, assistant chiefs, and captains to do that. We need fire chiefs to be administrators uh, so that our organization can be successful with other government agencies. Um, it's a combination of what you describe. It's, it's both the process and, and we're not preparing people. And then we put them through a process that's not necessarily uh, looking at the right skills. Kelly. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with Dan. I believe that we teach people to pass the test more than teach them to do the job. And, and I was guilty of that myself. That was our goal was to get this list and get everybody prepared for how to, do that interview versus, you know, these are the real skills. I think the first thing starts with a realistic job description, and that starts from firefighter recruit. You know, everybody join. you know, I, I've had a lot of firefighters tell me over time, that no little boy ever saw a fire truck go by and said, I can't wait to do the budget for that fire department. Or I, I think I said that last manager. week. <laughs> I really do. Like, I was like, hey, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't explain, oh, man, I can't wait to sit behind a desk. Yeah. No, that's not why we got in this business. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think for the realistic job description at the firefighter level, like, you know, yeah, we're going to fight fire and this is how much percent we do it. And yeah, we're going to go on medical calls and this is the percent we do that. And here's a whole lot of the other things that we do and kind of making sure people are clear. We like to recruit them in with the sexy stuff, like you're saying, but you know, then they can be disappointed. They can lose engagement. So we want to get people involved. I think one of the things to encourage people to step up is, you know, there's a, is it Socrates, Dan? We talk about this in our class. I can't remember the Greek philosopher, but he said, um, you know, those who are 
unwilling to lead are destined to be led by their inferiors. And so it's kind of that, you know, if, if you're not going to step up and lead, you know, it's going to be harder to complain about the people who are leading, um, you know, taking that, taking that initiative to, to do that, do the hard work. Um, but what I think Dan mentioned earlier about the gap you know, we're, the gap that's happening, we're putting people in positions they're not ready for, and then there's this big gap, and then they're learning. All that time they're learning, not only are they not in, in the zone doing the work well, but they aren't getting a chance to develop other officers. They're not getting a chance to delegate. If, until they know what they're doing, they're not going to be able to involve other people in it, do handoffs. And so what happens is that you just aren't having that, you know, succession planning. You're not having people understanding the, the nuances of uh, writing a policy or that sort of thing. So that's a really big gap to close and it's an important thing to focus on. Um, realistic job descriptions, getting, getting people expert enough in their job that they can invite other people in and um, develop teams and, and get, people, get people engaged in what the other components are. And those things all translate into money. You know, the more um, prepared people are, the, you know, yeah, grant writing. I mean, I don't see them lined up at the at FRI at the grant writing seminar, but, um, you know, what can we do if we have the grant writing? And we have to kind of reposition that to think of what's in it for us. Um, if we get that money, here's the, you know, we can get that drone program. We can do, you know, more than we can do now. Um, so just kind of shifting that to preparing people before they get there and then yeah, helping Robbie, develop Yeah, Robbie, you asked others. a question earlier about, what what can a company officer do to 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 gain some of these skills? What can they do to to uh, find these leadership abilities? Uh, well, number one is you have to go out and search for them. You have to pursue it on your own. Your fire department's not gonna not gonna give you an engraved invitation for leadership training. Uh, they either can't afford it or they're too busy swatting flies to worry about it. Um, so the best thing you can do is go find it. Go to your local community college and take an accounting and budgeting course. Go, go take a writing class. Um, the writing skills of the fire service are horrible. If you don't believe me, read the, the narratives in any of your fire reports in your department uh, compared to law enforcement. Law enforcement beats our pants off when it comes to grant writing, and the reason is they know how to write, and we don't. Um, the the FDIC, FRI, uh, Firehouse Expo, you, all the major conferences, when you go to them, and I know you know this, Robbie, you walk down the hallway of the workshops, and which workshops have standing room only and people clear out into the hallway, craning their neck to listen and try to see slides from the hallway for, for workshops in how to attack garden apartment fires or tactical uh, ventilation techniques or uh, aerial ladder um, operations, standing room only. Next door, use of data to support programs. There's crickets in the room. Uh, personnel, dealing with personnel issues or developing a, a preventive program for sexual harassment in your fire department, maybe four or five people in there. And there's the problem. We, we go for the sexy stuff. We go for the smoke and flames 
because that's what we were recruited and pumped up about from day one in recruitment school. And yet it's such a small part of a supervisor's role in the fire service and the, the programs they really need, they're not in, they don't go to those. So there's a self-discipline element to this. You have to want to be a leader and you have to make yourself go get those skills. There's just no other way around it. So how do we strike the balance? And again, I think both of you guys would provide a pretty good perspective on this. How do we strike the balance, right? Because like you said, I, I don't, you know, and you, and you both said, I don't know any firefighter, even ones that in, eventually became the fire chief that were super excited about sitting down and doing a budget. I don't know. And, and you even spoke earlier about how you have to have some credibility in the firehouse in order for people to, to, to lead people. And, I, and a lot of that credibility comes on the fire ground. It doesn't really come in the firehouse. Like, you know, and, and a lot of people, I feel they, they put up with a lot when you're good on the fire ground, right? Like they put up with you being a, a, an okay leader in the firehouse when you keep them safe on the, on the fire ground. So how do we strike, how do we strike the balance? How do we, how do we maintain that firehouse credibility, that fire ground credibility and still become good personnel people and leaders of, of people and build those relationships in the firehouse? Well, they're not mutually exclusive. Okay. You can do both. You can be a good fire ground commander and a good fire station leader. Uh, you can do uh, incident command at a, at a major multi-casualty incident and prepare the budget. Uh, you can learn both, but you have to find the balance in your training and your experience. You have to pursue budget training and personnel training and, and how to effectively run a meeting and how to deal with elected officials. You have to pursue that training with the same vigor you pursue the tactical and strategic training. Um, Kelly, Kelly can, can talk a little bit about how we have to develop our thinking, comprehensive thinking. Um, firefighters uh, tend to want to solve every problem right then and now and walk away from it, be done with it. Totally. But, but when you get into administration, that's not so easy. Um, Kelly, you want to talk about the difference in the thinking process? Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking that when you threw it to me. One of the things, too, I wanted to say before that real quick is, and I think what Dan's getting to is, is the why often gets lost. The why are we doing this? I mean, I can't maybe get really super excited about working on the budget, but when I think of the why, what's, what is this going to give us the ability to do? So if it's going to give us the ability to, you know, uh, renovate a station, to hire 12 new firefighters, whatever that is, if, if we can do this and do it well, what are we going to have the ability to do? And to me, you've got to focus on the right thing. If I focus on the spreadsheet, I might, you know, my head might pop off. But if I can really think about what the true goal is, I can get more behind that. This is just an exercise and a step on the way to that goal. Um, but kind of what Dan's referring to as well is one of the things we focus on in our training, we like to give a lot of tools and we like to give a lot of visuals and things that people can take back with them. But we, we, um, a lot of the skills we have on the fire ground are, can turn around and be used in administrative and personnel problems. So we have a situation where, um, like ICS, Dan can even talk, speak even more eloquently than I can on this, but, you know, learning incident command, how can we bring that into the, the administration or administrative pro 
problem and address it in that same kind of methodical way. So we have a lot of skills that we just have to transfer in, inside. Um, I teach something that is a prevention thinking model. You know, ideally, we're all uh, believe that the best fire is the one that didn't happen and didn't hurt anyone. And um, so I do a timeline. And in the timeline, it's just like a big upside down T. And at the base of that T, it's the T minus zero moment. That's when the building exploded. That's when the house caught on fire. That's when the hurricane hit. And we spend so much time getting ready for like preparing for that, preventing when we can, and if we can't, mitigating the, you know, the aftermath back to normal. Well, what happens with administrative and personnel problems is we're not always thinking ahead of time. So I throw out a lot of examples, and you can pull these right from Kurt's, Kurt Verone's law blog, or you can pull them from anywhere. Um, what are the latest lawsuits? What's happened? You know, what's the big messy thing? And you can look at that as an exercise and say, okay, if that happened here, if we got if that lawsuit hit our, you know, hit the chief's desk or anyone, um, what could we have done prior to that? If that was us, what could we have done prior to that? So, you know, we have so many prevention programs for fire and, and educating the public, but what could we be doing? And th that's where the communication, you know, stopping things when they're small, um, you know, pulling somebody aside and individually telling them like, you know, this, you may feel that way, but this isn't something we can do at work. Having those kind of small conversations early, training people, getting them, you know, there's so many answers to what we can be doing prevention wise before that issue hits. So it's a process of realizing that the little things we do every day can prevent some of the big, big things that we do and uh, the big things that happen, the big disasters that can happen that can take a half a million bucks out of our budget really quickly. And that's yeah, not how we want to spend it. You know, it. and it's, it's, it's funny you say that. And, and I, you know, and, and again, I think this is pushing a lot of people, you know, this is pushing a lot of people's comfort level, right? Like, like, I mean, because in, in, in mine as well, right? Because what you're saying makes extreme, extreme amount of sense, but it's hard to, to, to take that, to take that next step, right? It's hard to, it's hard to it's hard to sign up yeah, for the no budget doubt. class no at doubt. community college. It really is, uh, and even though, <laughs> and, and and I totally agree with you guys, and and it's it, it just it really is. I think it's I think it's making and as we sit here and talk, I think it's making me realize some things that maybe I need to change and, and do different. And I hope it's doing so for for other company officers and, and whatnot. As we start to kind of to put a bow on it, um, I wanted to to talk about. Just uh, in, in building relationships and any and, and building relationships can be so difficult, especially in today's climate where we have just every political message seems to be just just refuted with with just a just a hatred and, and an anger. And every 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 position and every opinion is met with just 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 hatred and, and vitriol and, and just all of these things. How in today's environment? can we safely build those relationships, you know, in the firehouse and how can we truly, you know, because that is a big thing about leadership. I mean, I know one of the biggest successes that I had is that I had a guy who was so unmotivated. So what, I mean, and, but he loved, he had a passion for racing race cars. And so I sat down and had hours of conversation about him, about him racing race cars and then brought it back to, Hey man, if we don't, do what we're what we need to do in the firehouse. You won't be able to go race that race car. You're not going to be good at. You're going to get hurt at your job. Or if you don't work out, 
think about how much more working out will make you better at racing your race car. It'll make you lighter. You'll lose weight. It'll improve your reaction time. And that really like motivated him, right? By building that relationship. I consider that one of my biggest leadership wins. Next thing you know, that guy couldn't run a mile and he's running, you know, 10 minute miles. I mean, like he couldn't even run a mile. So, I mean, it was, it was one of my biggest wins, but it's so difficult to build that relationship. And, and again, and I, and I've had that win, but I've had so many other failures. How can we build that relationship in the firehouse, but yet do it safely to where we're not infringing on people's privacy? And uh, Kelly, please go with that first, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, um, you know, this is one of the things that makes fire so special and so enjoyable to work with is your relationships, the, you know, the camaraderie, the joking around. It's so enjoyable. And that's one of the things I love. Um, Sometimes, you know, we have to remember, though, that it is a workplace and that, you know, not everybody here is our friend and that, you know, we have a mission and that has to stay forefront. So one of the things, though, when you talk about um, kind of, you know, uh, the, the controversies and the political differences and all those things that can come up and divide a house. Um, someone told me a story, uh, one of our students told me a story that he, when he was very first a rookie very first out of the academy he um he went to a station and they were just like cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and every day they'd you know be cleaning grout out of every little corner and and he said we'd, we'd go and we'd have to clean things that were already clean we could eat off the floor and we were still just sent out every day to do all this stuff and i finally said um to the to the chief the battalion chief i said like why are we doing this you know and we did it why shouldn't we be doing something else and he said because heroes live here. And when he told me that story, I was surprised because I was expecting him to say, well, the public could come in or something like that. And he said, because heroes live here. And he said that was so profound for him and it made him want to like take a different tact and think more about service to each other. Um, So that is where I talk about civility. Because, you know, we, yes, we all have First Amendment rights. We can all say what we want to say. You can do that. We, we believe this is, you know, kind of like our house sometimes, kind of like our living room or our kitchen where we can just say things and disagree. But, you know, how do we want this to be ultimately? And civil, instead of worrying about how everything is legal or illegal or you can't say that or you can't say that or trying to infringe on people's rights, maybe get your crew to agree that, you know, we can get a lot more done and we can be more productive and we can help um, this one guy uh, run and and make 10 minute miles. If we are working together towards something versus trying to tear things down. So maybe making a commitment to civility, how we'll treat each other all the time. No, I like that. The other thing thing, Robbie is, is culture of the fire station. Every fire station, every crew has their own culture. Uh, it's somewhat a reflection of the culture of the department overall, but it's also unique to that fire station. And um, that culture is created by the company officer. Now there's a lot of things working against that company officer today that 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't think about mealtimes 20 or 30 years ago, every fire station had a cook and everybody went in together and, and, cooked and ate together and shared in the cleanup and the camaraderie over uh, breaking bread. Now in a lot of fire stations, everybody's bringing in their own stuff, leftovers, a microwave or whatever, or some of the younger guys want to go grab fast food all the time. 
and they're not eating together. They're eating at different, different times. They're not sitting down together. 30 years ago, there was one TV in a fire station. It was in the day room. Now there's TVs in every room of the station. And if there's not TVs, people have their iPhones, their smartphones, their tablets, their laptops. And so during downtime, instead of shared time, watching a game together, watching a movie together, whatever, everybody goes to their separate corner of the fire station to do their own thing to play on Facebook or watch their own movie or whatever. Um, and I think company officers have to work against that. I, I knew a couple of company officers that they didn't care what you had for dinner, but we're all going to sit down together family style and we're going to throw our phones in the middle of the table. And if anybody reaches for their phone first, they have to do the dishes. <laughs> um, and he enforced that. And his guys grumbled at first about it, but after a while, he built a camaraderie with that crew. Um, I knew another company officer who, uh, <laughs> this is really weird, they had a brick that they had in the corner of the, of the day room. And if somebody said something offhand or out of line or whatever, they had to go stand on that brick for 10 minutes. Um, and it was it was mutually enforced by everybody on the crew. You got to go stand on the brick. Uh, and it became a thing of everybody trying to avoid standing on the brick. Um, so. And the flip side of that is I, I, I heard of another company officer, one of our share, students shared this was a company officer who didn't even see his crew in the morning. He would sit in his office and text the crew members who were maybe in the next room or out in the apparatus bay, he would text them their assignments for the day. Oh. So, I mean, what kind of interaction does that guy have? Um, he's texting them in the next room. Come on, guys, lay them damn phones down and, and work together. Um, it used to irritate me when I had company officers that would send a crew out to, to do work, reload the pre-connects or something, and then say, I've got computer work to do and disappear in the office. Mm -hmm. No, dude. No, you get out there with the crew. You interact with them and you help them with the work. Then you do your computer work afterwards. Um, it's stuff like that that company officers have to do to build that team spirit and that relationship and that camaraderie. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and of course, being in a firehouse and, and I see – all of these things that you're talking about. And I'm a big, a big believer in you can bring your own food, but you better sit at this kitchen table and talk with us. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, that is that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's easy. Right. Easy. Like it's, it's just so, so it's something that we've lost. Uh, and, and again, I, in my short time in the fire service only, you know, or right around, you know, I started volunteer when I was 15, but as a career firefighter, only the last 18 years. And so I can, st I still consider that a, a relatively short time in the fire service, um, even though I'm getting <laughs> older, but uh, you know, I've seen some of that stuff go away and, and some of the, the appeal of the, of the job and, and the appeal of being a company officer was that kind of camaraderie and you, and you see some of that deteriorating. So I'm glad that you, that you spoke on that. So, and you know, so, the, the other thing that suffers from that Robbie is mentoring. Yeah, the, the mentoring is lost because of that, because you don't have that informal time together to share experiences or to kind of coach younger members. Uh, 
and that mentoring is so key. I mean, my success in my career, I directly relate a lot of my success to the mentors I had and the, and the time that they, they gave me. And uh, so that mentoring, we've got to really focus on, on bringing that back as a key element of our culture. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, you talk about the powerfulness of the mentorship. I mean, and it used to it meant everything to me when one of my mentors who I when I first came on uh, Henrico Fire, he, this guy, uh, Jimmy Mack, who had, had been in Station 6 since uh, 1986. He when he left to go to another station <laughs> to uh, he left to go to another mm-hmm. station, he gave me his seat at the table. So that was a big deal. You know what I mean? Heck, that was yeah, like, that was a good that deal. Was a, that was yeah. a big deal. Nice. And that, like, I never forgot that. You know what I mean? I've ne- never have forgotten that. I never will forget that. And it just, you know, that's a powerful, powerful thing. And, and because I sat next to him at the kitchen table and he talked to me about all the fires they had in the, you know, in the eight, in the early 80s and in and, the 70s and, and things. And, and just, oh, man, like that kitchen table, I got more of an education there. And I think people are missing out on that. And, and I, I totally, totally agree with you guys. Uh, as we, st- and he was pa- totally. he was passing the baton to totally. you. Um, to carry on. Totally, yeah. uh, and and just you know, I think we like I I agree with you guys. I think we need to do more of that, and I think it will kind of quell some of these these hatred we have sometimes toward each other's opinions. So at least if I like you, I can put up with your opinion, right? I mean, it's <laughs> um. So so right. as we, again, as we're starting to, to kind of put a bow on this and and, and wind the podcast down, it's been a. I really, really, really have loved everything that we've talked about. And, and I could sit there and talk to you guys for a week about all this stuff. Talk <laughs> yeah, to me so about can we. Uh, That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, talk to <laughs> me about where everybody can find you. Talk to the listeners about if they want uh, to get you guys to come to their department, how they can get in contact with you, your social media, how they can get a hold of uh, Brave Fire Leader programs, all that kind of stuff. You know, pl- plug everything that you guys are doing and where you're going to be and, and how we can get a hold of you. Well, the where we're going to be oh, is at home <laughs> because we had a <clears throat> excuse me we had a whole lot of our programs have to cancel obviously because um, <clears throat> to stay safe. So until we're gathering again, um, we have some. The best place to find us is bravefireleader.com, all one word. And the, you, there's introductions to our cohort programs. We have a video series, all kinds of stuff that, that people can participate in. But also there's, you know, there's a lot of free stuff. There's blogs, there's tools. I have tools embedded in some of the blogs that are things you can grab and go, and that's all free. And um, so we're doing, you know, like everybody, we're kind of uh, trying to be respectful of your budget issues and your um, and, and the stay-at-home orders and things like that. So we're doing a lot of things online so people can still participate in training if they want to and we do it as interactive as humanly possible or online. And then um, we will be back on the road, I'm sure, as soon as things uh, clear up and, and open up. Um, and then, uh, but our, our uh, contact information, every, <clears throat> excuse me, our contact information and everything is on Brave Fire Leader. So feel free to contact us. Um, if you want us to come out to your department or get involved in some training, we're also, we're, uh, we'd we're love also to have on, you. Uh, Facebook. Uh, both Kelly and I are individually on Facebook, and then we have a, a Brave Fire Leader uh, Facebook uh, site that you're welcome to join. Uh, we put a lot of stuff on there, leadership tips and and information and things that we come across that we think are useful, we share on there. Uh, it can also be used by folks because a lot of our students are on there. Uh, you can go on there and 
pose a question about something that you maybe need some help with, or, uh, you know, you're trying to develop a new, uh, SOP or something, and you can put that on there and people will respond to you. Uh, we also are on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can reach us on LinkedIn. Uh, so we have a number of, uh, ways that people can interact with us. And give me a Give me a couple of weeks and we'll be on Instagram. Awesome. That's my next goal. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get a lot of really good um, visual photos and things and then but I'm I'm that's that's happening ASAP. So look for Brave Fire Leader yep. on Instagram. So Facebook, LinkedIn, coming soon Instagram, bravefireleader.com mm -hmm. uh, is probably the best way to to get in touch with us and um, interact with our with our programs. Well, awesome. I, I, you know, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you guys for the great conversation. Thank you guys for the, the just the your view on leadership. And like I said at the beginning, I think it's extremely important to have both views from a fire chief and a person who, you know, it works in HR, was embedded in a fire service. I mean, that is those are valuable, valuable leadership positions. And you guys have experienced so much. I appreciate the conversation. I hope the listeners do as well. And thank you guys for coming on the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Thank you, Robbie. Uh, Thanks, enjoyed Robbie. it and uh, wishing you lots of success with the Average Jake uh, Firefighter. It's a great podcast. Uh, I've tuned in some in the past and uh, uh, look forward to uh, maybe interacting with you again in the future. Thank you guys so much. And for the listeners, stay tuned for some closing statements and remarks from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. As I said at the beginning, what a great conversation with Dan Jones and Kelly Walsh. It is just a tremendous honor to be able to talk to two fire service professionals who just have a a just great outlook on the fire service and but both have unique perspectives on what a leader needs to be in the fire service in today's fire service. And I really think that it's it's some poignant stuff. It pushed me outside of my comfort zone. I'll be quite honest with you, especially when we're talking about, you know, some of the administrative duties of the fire service. Cause if you anybody knows me knows that I am not a guy that wants to be an admin. I'm not a guy that wants to do those things. I signed up to be a fireman. I want to go to fires. I want to go to extrications. And even, yeah, you know, don't don't turn off the podcast here, but even good EMS calls, right? EMS calls where people really need our help. I love going to those because that's what I want to do. I want to help people that need help. So, you know, just a great conversation. I hope you guys look up uh, Brave Fire Leader and look at all the stuff that they're doing and uh, get Dan and Kelly to come out and do a program in your fire department, especially once all these travel restrictions have been have been lifted. Um, and again, thanks to everybody for tuning into this 40th episode. I couldn't do what I do without the support of some great people. Uh, you've heard it all before, but I'm going to go through them again. The first being Taylor's Tins. They were one of the very first uh, people to jump on board with the podcast and uh, just can't say enough about them. They are doing tremendous stuff. They've got playing cards, metal helmet fronts, pump cards, uh, wallets. I mean, they just have all sorts of stuff coming out of the Taylor's 10 tenery at this point. Go to taylorstens.com and get you some of their fine, fine products. I wear a Taylor's 10 on my helmet every day and it looks awesome still, uh, even after going through fires and getting dropped and going through calls, riding in the buggy, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's just great. Uh, so, you know, stop messing around, go to taylorstens.com and get you some of their fine products. The second, uh, Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Those things are made for work. I can tell you that 
just by wearing them and showing and letting people try mine on, I know that there's probably 10 to 15 people in my fire department that have gotten the Vanguard safety wear gloves, and they're just great. They can't say enough about them. I can't say enough about them. They get better every time you wear them. Uh, So the more you train in them, the more fires you go to, those gloves are going to break in, and they're going to be even better, and they're great right out the box. So go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com and get you a pair of Vanguard Safety Wear MK1 fire gloves. They're made for work. And lastly, you know what we do. Make sure you're spending one hour a day in the gym working on your physical fitness for the job you signed up for. Physical fitness is mandatory. Make sure you spend one hour a day in the library researching our trade, watching YouTube videos, practicing your size-ups, read an article out of Fire Engineering or Firehouse or online. Go to Stater 911. And, and watch fire videos, size them up, pretend you're on the line. How would you stretch the line? Talk about the fire service, especially when you're on duty. And make sure you're spending one hour doing some sort of hands-on training. It doesn't have to be anything super difficult. Go practice your mask-up drills. Go pull hand lines. Even just in your station where, go down the hallway at the firehouse and practice search. Practice your knee crawl doesn't have to be anything difficult, but make sure you spend that one hour doing that hands-on training, practicing the skills and putting your hands on the tools we need to do our job and be, and be the best firefighters that we can be. You do that, you become a pretty phenomenal firefighter, I guarantee it. Thanks for listening to 40 episodes of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast, and thanks for just continuing on with me through this journey. Um, let's take care of ourselves. Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of the citizens that we want that we, we signed up to serve, and let's just try to be better people to each other, okay? We're all going to be on different sides of this political roller coaster. There's going to be one day that you agree with something and one day that you don't. There's going to be one day that you're all on, and then there's going to be one day that you're off. That's just how life goes, folks. But let's not let the fire service fail because we can't put aside that to do our job and to be kind to each other. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay aggressive.